Great. Hello, guys. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, as you can see, we have a guest today. Hello. Introduce yourself. <laughs> uh, my name is Jesse Michelle. Uh, I'm a developer. I've been a pro athlete in my life. Just about done it all at this point. Uh, happy to be here. Happy to to be talking to you. Yeah, it's great Thanks. to meet you. Um, before we get into the conversation, we have weekly updates as we- Yes. Sent you. Do you have anything you'd like to say? Anything that happened to you during the week or the month, or you kind of touched upon it today about this developing the brain? Oh yeah, messed up your yeah. Job, but. Always uh, just developer. Uh, so I got uh, six projects on the go right now. I'm building in Oxbridge at the moment. Uh, it's going to be depending on on some factors and how the market stays. I'm hoping to get close to six million uh, for that development. Uh, and then I have three resorts that I'm building in Muskoka. Oh, I have cool. one that I'm building in Mount Tremblant. And then oh. um, hopefully I'm going to be starting on a close to 8,000 square foot house in Whippy. Um, so very, very excited about everything that's going on there. A lot of planning. Uh, I've been getting renders done for for the builds. I've been talking to architects and the engineers. Um, it's It's been a lot. It's been a very hectic few weeks. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, so it was all that's been going on. And then um, recently did uh, another podcast. And I think we got like uh, the one clip got like, it was like no. Toronto viral. It was no, Toronto so viral. Like so I was really excited about that. And I think it's 175,000. I'm like, this is my first foray onto TikTok. Yeah, so that yeah. those are my... No, Updates I was. Of the week. I was on TikTok. I'm like, wait, is, are we having? No, but this on? was. No, but this was after. So okay, so for the listeners, I like. Well, I was going to get into this after. We can like touch on it again. But anyway, so we were talking to you about coming on the podcast. But after we talked to him, I was. We, yeah, like she said, we were scrolling. My sister was like, wait, are we having him on the podcast? And it was like viral. And I was like, yeah, holy shit. And we were just like reading through the comments, just dying. But anyways. Yeah, that was pretty cool. There's a very eventful comment section yeah, on, yeah, on a we'll, few of them. Maybe we'll get into we'll that, get I'm into sure, it, later. Yeah, yeah, that's on the like, docket. Oh um, anyways, seems like you're doing, you're very busy, doing very well. Way too busy, uh, you know, depends. Some, sometimes I get lucky and it's a 10 or 12 hour day, but, oh. you know, if I'm not physically on the job site, there, there's always something that's going on on the back end. There's always prep. There's always planning. For sure. And, and I do all the interior design. Uh, on, on everything as well. So uh, Jack of all trades. Yeah. I, 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 I do it all, right? So I, I guess it's only fair for me to ask, what about you guys? <laughs> what, well, what, how's your week's been? Well, I, we had our little party on Saturday for the podcast. I we wish you guys would have sent me a reminder because I told you I was coming to that like a month oh, ago. Okay. And then I saw oh, it and I'm like, oh my I'm God, sorry. I missed out. That Well, it's my bad because you guys told me the date and I forgot. And then it's, all so good. That's my bad. I mean, I like bad. it wasn't anything like crazy, but it was just like a fun little like party celebration. So thank you to everyone who was able to come. I am still recovering today. I'm not gonna yeah, lie. Yeah, I was absolutely like, truly. Wow, the hangover was disgusting. Real. You know, those ones were like, you, you wake up feeling like- And your heart's like, like- No, you just feel like stiff and like, a zombie that was literally me. I couldn't, but it was really, really fun. Other than that, I got scammed recently. Oh. I was, yeah, it was this huge thing. Oh my thing. God. Okay, no. Talk about how, what, like your dream. Remember your dream about the government well, and the money? I my dream last podcast. Basically, I had a dream that I owed the government like billions of dollars. I'm like, basically, money was taken from me, was my dream. And I have this thing where like my dreams are psychic, they come true, or like it's a forecast into the future. It's super weird. So literally a week later, um, kind of my fault, I fell for a Rogers scam and gave out my visa number. And then I realized I don't even pay for Rogers. My phone's not even with Rogers. <laughs> yeah, don't even give me some- <laughs> I was gonna be like, okay, like I could totally understand my how Wi-Fi like, is Rogers, but like, okay. she's, like, well, okay. she's like, wait, do we pay, do I pay the Wi-Fi? Like, I don't like, pay no. the Wi-Fi though, so- You don't pay the Wi-Fi bill. Yeah, I don't <laughs> pay the bill. So I'm like, why the fuck did I just give this guy my visa information? He's pretending to be Rogers. And when does Rogers ever send out e-transfers? 
Never. Yeah, that would that listen. But it was after the Rogers outed, so I'm like, oh, maybe they're reimbursing people with anyways. I yeah, don't even sure. know what I was thinking. I was having a little bit of like a brain fart moment. Anyways, only a week later I find out my cards being like scammed, three thousand dollars LCBO, Canadian tire. At least they partied. I mean, like, thank God my right. car has a limit. I like put a limit on it yeah. so that doesn't happen. But it was a crazy, very stressful week. I ended up getting credited back, thank God. But Amen. Well, I mean, yeah, that was my guys, little That was crazy. Yeah. Me and my mom were like, really? But anyways, um, I got stung by a wasp. So that's what happened to me this week for the first time ever. <laughs> eventful. So not as eventful as you guys, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take out my notes here because we want to talk a little bit more about you. Yeah, us. sure. Hey. Um, so what I th thought was really interesting, just like scrolling through your feed. And that's all we really have nowadays is Instagram. Unless you kind of get to know someone more. Yeah. But also based on what you told us, um, you were a pro athlete, right? Mm -hmm. And now you're a full-time just entrepreneur, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um. So we kind of want to know, like a lot of what we talk about on here is like how people got to where they were, right? Like they either, I don't know, went to school for something and now they like own their own business or whatever the case may be. So what was it for you? Like, what was the thought process there? Like the kind of, kind of like the trials and tribulations of how you got to where you are now. Cause I can't imagine it was just like, I'm an athlete now. I'm a yeah, developer I'm a pro, with yeah. like $6 million, like, you know what I mean? Resorts yeah. and this and that, like it couldn't have been easy. So we kind of want to know a little high level process. There. Yeah. Um, I, I'll kind of give you the, the, the long and short version. I'll try yeah. to condense it down and then we can get into any, yeah. anything that you want more details on. Um, so I guess I'll start from when I was born. Sure. <laughs> Which sounds crazy, but but because I am in a family business, so it does have some context. Okay. So mm, okay. um, my extended family's business, my father was partners with four of his brothers on Raglan Industries, which okay. was one of the largest tractor trailer manufacturers in North America. They did a lot of uh, mining equipment, really big contracts. I think that about 180 staff at, at, at their pinnacle. And then they had me and my parents. Um, and my father made the decision at that time uh, to, to part ways with his family business. Mm -hmm. uh, and we were in a period of flux. So a couple things happened at that time. We moved to a farm, a charity okay. farm, which was nice. very random. We had a pet pig named P-Mail. Oh, I love P-Mail. It was, it was oh. P-Mail the pig. Oh. That was his name. Oh, I like, love that. That's cute. So my, my, my sister wouldn't eat P-Mail as a kid because like, we're going to eat female. No, and it's like, like no. very oh, cute, tragic. very cute. And I, so uh, we were doing that. And at the same time, my father stayed in the industry, went to work for someone else, um, found a lot of success again. But there was this period of time where, where you know, my parents were rebuilding. Um, during that time, my dad saw an opportunity in repossession. Mm. Uh, because you sell something, some one a trailer and they don't pay for it. So I can take it back so, so, to someone else. And right. hey, I'm making double the profit here. Right. So he started doing that and he's like, okay, well, I need a place to store all these repos. I don't, I don't have enough space. Unfortunately, fortunately, I guess in more ways, unfortunately, a friend of theirs, I believe from high school had recently passed away. Right. And he had a car wash. So my dad's like, hey, this is a good amount of land. I can buy it. It's a good price. And, you know, he's helping the wife out. She has a business. She, she can't run it. Or she's not wanting to run it. Mm -hmm. um, so we gets into that. And my family spends a long time in car washing. Now, the good thing about my father's background in the manufacturing sector is like so much of the stuff that he learned from back then is what we're using now. Okay. So we had built our own car washes and we developed this amazing reputation within the industry. Everyone wanted to buy our car washes and people were hiring my father as a consultant and he mm. was building washes and started selling them. So that's what got him 
even more so into developing, but he also started on a lighter note doing flips um, as a teenager. I believe my father was 18 when he had actually purchased his first wow. home. Oh, wow. So he was doing flips. He was doing some stuff like that. Um, and then at the same time, um, we had a, a parcel of land. Uh, it was a century home at uh, the house I was conceived in. Mm, Fun nice. stuff. I, I, these are the Fun things facts. that you know when you have a very kind of <laughs> now open and kind of liberal family right. that discusses these things. Um, and they had divided that up. And that was my father's and my mother's first foray into doing residential built. Okay. Um, so they had kind of spent the majority of time there. So that's kind of the family background. And then my personal background, um, I was into athletics. I was a multi-sport athlete. I was like in public school as a captain of the volleyball team and the basketball mm. team. And I was a theater kid. Like my parents were just like, oh. if you want to do it, do it. And I had a lot of support. So I was very fortunate. I, 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 I don't know how, but I just kind of excelled in everything as a kid. School was really easy for me. I was an honors roll student, but I was missing so much school because of all of my athletic yeah. endeavors. Mm. Um, my parents would pull me out of school to uh, train with like a private tutor on ice and we'd come in from the city. I'm from Port Perry, Ontario originally. Okay. So it was just this big, crazy process. A um, lot of politics in small town hockey. Hmm. Um, you know, when I was 10 years old is when I transitioned to playing goalie in hockey. My father was a politician in my hometown at like a low level. Mm -hmm. It was kind of, my parents were really big into community work. He was the head of like the fair board. Cause like when you're a small oh. town, the fair is like the biggest oh, thing. Yeah, he was cute. on the board of commerce. Uh, you know, my parents did a lot within the community. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of people have issues with you when you're right. doing stuff. Who do you think you are? You're neither, in the limelight, yeah. Neither of my parents drink. And all these, you know, hockey teams, especially when you're young, it's all the parents and their drinking buddies. Mm, right. So th there was just stupid politics that shouldn't affect the kid. So my parents saw that I was elite. They saw that I was very passionate. I wanted to go to private school because, um, you know, growing up in this kind of small Christian town, uh, Port Prairie High School was like at the time one of the worst for like drug use. Oh. And this was before weed was legalized and before I'd ever mm. tried weed. I'm like, weed, they, they, they smoke weed <laughs> like and, in, they, yeah. and they drink alcohol. I can't go there. Mom, dad, send me to private school. Yeah. Um, Especially as an athlete, I guess, right? Yes. Yeah. So um, I made a deal with them that if I was an honor roll student, I could go to any school that I got accepted into. So I ended up getting accepted to Premier League Athletes Collegiate. Uh, so that's where like Conor McDavid um, oh. went. And where's um, that? That's in uh, Downsview Park in okay. North oh. York. Yeah, yeah. And okay. now uh, Blythe has since purchased that campus. We okay. had two, we had three campuses, uh, one in London, Ontario, one in Burlington, and the original one here in Toronto. Okay. Um, we've had, you know, so many people first round in the OHL, first round in the NHL, Catanachi, uh, Bennington, the goalie for St. Louis, one in the Stanley Cup, uh, all three of the Subban brothers, like, if it, it was the place to be in Canada, if you want wow, to make the NHL. Okay. Wow. Um, so I went there and I was doing that. I turned pro at 18. Mm -hmm. I had an opportunity to go to the OHL. It was the year of the NHL lockout. Um, Malcolm Subban had come back from NHL camp. That displaced me because I was going to be the second goalie. That made me the third goalie. There is no third goalie on the team. Mm. They say, get out of here. Right. So oh. I found an opportunity to go play in Sweden. Oh, uh, I played over there. We were affiliated with, a, you know, the Swedish elite team called AIK. So there's two teams in Stockholm okay. called Jorgården and the other one's called AIK. Okay. So had a really great experience there. I got to work with the national uh, coach for goaltender, Stefan Persen. Mm -hmm. um, 
kept on developing, was facing some injuries. Same thing. There's always politics. I was getting a lot of looks from playing NCAA um, hockey, which was like very exciting. I ended up tearing out my ankle at 20. Oh, fuck. And retired. Um, I took some time off. I was a multi-sport athlete. Um, So I... I transitioned. I'd always done rowing as just like additional exercise. It was just one of my favorite ways to get cardio in. I unintentionally broke the unofficial indoor 2000 meter row record for Canada. Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) And then I had an opportunity to go play in Australia in the Aussie Football League. um, Because, you know, it was like 215 pounds, 6% body fat, was running like a 256. Mm-hmm. Um, so for people who don't know what the AFL is, it's kind of like rugby, except it's like the most popular sport in Australia. We don't okay. watch it over here. Um, over there it's insane. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, they play it in a cricket stadium, which holds like 60 to 80,000 people. Wow. It's like, it's it, and the average like player runs like 15 and a half kilometers a game. So it's, it's a crazy oh, sport. Um, they have a program where it's called Category B Rookie. So if you played another sport professionally, they can pay you mm. and it doesn't affect their salary cap. Mm. Okay. So it's to build the sport internationally. What it was originally kind of used for was there's another sport that's very similar called Gaelic football. So it's to bring over the Gaelic football players. Mm-hmm. And then they started bringing over basketball players. So there's a person who takes like a tip off. So they were taking people that played Division One that didn't make the NBA Offering them a contract and uh, and it worked really, really well. So then I would have been the first hockey player to make the transition. I okay. broke my leg. Mm. I was out for two years. Wait, wait, is this, wait, this is- You broke your ankle and I, your I, leg. I, I, so uh, no, so that ended the AFL for me. I was training here. COVID hap- was just starting to happen. I couldn't get over there. I was training here, snapped my leg. Oh, Holy my fuck. God. Three reconstructive surgeries. I think I had like 11 or 12 screws in my leg, a plate. And then I had to do an adjustment to the plate. And then we ended up taking out all the screws and the plate. So that, oh yeah. And then that's not even the end of the athletics because the whole time recreationally, I kept playing hockey, but not as a goalie. Because the nature of my injury as a goalie, I couldn't butterfly. So that's like when a right, goalie goes right. on his knees. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't do that anymore. But I took a couple years off and I missed it. And um, I just started playing out. And a lot of my friends were playing ECHL or Division One or OHL or, you know, various different levels. So I was playing very high quality skates. And then after I got better for my leg break, I had an opportunity to go play in Israel professionally. And then that led, uh, I have contract offers right now to still play hockey. I'm just too busy. So wow. I've, I now I've retired on kind of my own terms, not because mm. of an injury. Right. So I could, you know, go play in Germany, I could go play in the States. I've, I've spoken to a number of different teams and, and have a really great agent. Um, unfortunately, slash fortunately, as most things are, um, business is just very, very good right now. Right. Um, and it's just been getting better and better. So, so what's the, like, yeah, that's the athletics part of everything. Yeah. But so, so, and then there's the entrepreneurial side of things, I suppose. So you're still, just so that we're caught up, you're yeah. still technically yes in the athletics game. I'm now retired, but my, I just finished my last season in June. Okay. Uh, okay. So uh, like, being a pro this athlete, this I just yeah, been, I, yeah. So I just won a silver medal in is, in Israel, nice. playing against uh, some of the best, uh, you know, Jewish players from the United States, Russia, Canada, Israel. Um, so really awesome league that they have over there. Guys have NHL minutes under their belt, AHL minutes, KHL. So some of the top leagues okay. on earth. So 
wow. I, I'm just a fighter. I'm a, I'm a big guy. You know, I'm, I've, I've seen, I'm on a diet. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm at like 225 right now. But when I was playing there, I was like 245 pounds. Mm -hmm. And my job was just to hit people and punch them in the face. Wow. Well, and I'm good at that, surprisingly. It's been working for you, I guess. You're good. <laughs> so, uh, and then into the entrepreneurial side of things mm -hmm. and the transition, because it's it's been an interesting road of kind of bouncing between entrepreneurship and athletics. So my first entrepreneurial endeavor, I guess, that got my feet wet was in high school. I was really into Photoshop mm. and like doing like digital art. So I had like a whole DeviantArt portfolio and I thought it was a lot of fun. So I would make, there's something called Game Battles, which is like the original like pro league gaming website. So mm -hmm. I would make logos for pro gaming teams oh, and yay. they would send me Xbox Innovative. gift cards or iTunes gift nice. cards because like PayPal was kind of in its infancy and like sending money to people online was weird, but they'd send me gift cards. Okay. So I got my feet wet into entrepreneurship. I'm like, people pay me if I'm good at something and I don't have to work for someone else. I could be my own boss. Mm. And it, it, so, you know, growing up an entrepreneurial family was good, but this was mine, mm -hmm. right? It wasn't my parents thing. It was my thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when I was playing hockey, I'm like, I like nice things. I like nice clothes. I like to look good. Mm -hmm. um, so I was good at finding things on sale. And then I signed up on a website called Grailed, you know, which is like, uh, I've heard of that. yeah, yeah. So it's, it's mainly men's streetwear. Okay. Um, you know, it's kind of the go-to spot for, for uh, higher end streetwear. So I signed up on there and I'm like, okay, I'll sell my own closet. And I started noticing, I'm like, I'm making a profit on my own clothes that I bought on sale uh, because I was picking the right pieces. So then I started doing consignment, selling other people's stuff online. And then I started making connections um, overseas. So like Bape is like a really popular brand. Oh, they would do, yeah, yeah. So they do Japanese only releases and I'd have people, I'd pay people to go wait in line and send me the shit. Wow. And then I would send it to other people. Uh, so I started to become like a flipper. Um, and that was doing really well. I kind of accidentally grew that business to be quite successful, um, just out of my bedroom. I was doing, mm. you know, close to six figures, um, Holy just shit. like, just as, yeah. And, you know, it was like, I was like, you know, a teenager. Right. So I was like, mm. oh, okay. Um, I guess I'm doing this now. And then that started to fall by the wayside. Um, there were scams, you know, just the way that you got scammed. Mm. Uh, PayPal started getting all these different scams. So they would send you their address and it would be an abandoned house and it wouldn't match up to their PayPal address because you would get the address mm -hmm. sent to you on Grailed. So you'd send it to that one and you wouldn't cross-reference that mm, it was yeah, the yeah. same on PayPal. Right. So they'd send it to abandoned house. They'd wait for it to be out for delivery, wait their whole day, collect it. And then they'd be like, you didn't send it to my PayPal address. Mm. So I lost like thousands of dollars on that, like a lot of money because I got so hit by like a targeted scheme. Oh, um, shit. Yeah, yeah okay. it, was, it was, so that was bad. And then like a lot of people, you know, you sell them something, I don't take returns, but if someone would like really like complain enough, do I want a really bad review or will I just take the product back and sell it to yeah, someone else? True. People send you a pillow, they send you a rock oh. or they wear it and then they'll be like, that's fake. Like it, it, it's bullshit. I'm like it's not, but whatever, send it back if you're not happy. And mm -hmm. they send it back with a wine stain. Oh fuck, that's um, so annoying. Yeah. So I, I just didn't like doing the customer service aspect of the whole thing and all the scams. It was still profitable. Um, so during that time, while I was still doing that, I was still making good money. Um, my best friend at the time, Greg, was working at Roots on Bloor Street, but like on the leather design team. Okay. So I said, okay, like I'll go join you doing that. 
um, just like once or twice a week. They're like, we want to bring you in five days a week. I'm like, no, I have my own business. I'm literally just doing this. Cause like me and Greg used to do dinners together. We used to go clubbing together two, three nights a week. Like we were just like attached at the hip. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, like I'll come work with you once or twice a week. This is a nice way to get out of the house. Cause I'm working from home. Right, like I'm right. so bored. I need to leave my house more. Yeah. I'm living, you know, at King and Bathurst and it's like great, but I'm just in my 500 square foot condo all day. Right. 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 So I started doing that. Um, really great experience. I learned a lot. That was like when the like XO jacket came out, oh, the yeah. jacket came out, they brought the blue Jays jackets back. So like, that was like, there was that kind of Renaissance, like summer 15, summer 16 of like yeah. roots mm. jackets. Um, and everyone, like all the Toronto celebrities were wearing them. Then he got headhunted to go work for a suit company. And I'm like, the only reason I took this job is to work with you. Can yeah. you get me a job there? So we went to suit school together. We, we were working in Yorkville. Went to suit I went to suit school. I went to Texas. I went to suit school with them. Um, I'm just, sorry, before you continue, I'm just so like astounded that <laughs> you literally had your hands just dipped in like every- that In just such a short period yeah. of time. Well, I think it's a short period of time. It, yeah. so like you can't be that old because you said you were 18 when you yeah. turned pro and then all these things happened in between. I was like 19, 20 at the time when I went to suit school, I think. Like this, that was all in the span of like, yeah, it, it, it's okay. all been very compact. So I went and then like, you know, we started learning made to measure and sourcing. Like I, I learned so much about making clothes. So right around that time, drop shipping became a big thing. Mm, yeah. Tried my hand at that, lost money. Didn't know what I was doing. Learned a ton of lessons. And then I'm like, okay, we just went back to work, kept doing my thing. Decided to fully shut down my grailed shop. I was making good money doing suits, but not not where I wanted to be. I was working for someone else. I love like where I was working. I love my team. I just didn't love working for someone else. Mm. So I took a risk. Um, my GM there was amazing. Her name's Krista. She's left the industry. She works as a consultant now. And she's like, like definition of a girl boss. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it just like kills the game. And I wanted to have a conversation with her and say, listen, can I leave for a couple of weeks? Let me focus on this. If I can't launch it. I'd like to have my job still, but I'd also just like, you know, call it vacation time, call it sick leave, call it whatever you want, but I want to maintain my job. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, she was away. Um, I can't remember the exact details. I don't remember if she was at the European office for like a month doing training. Cause like they were expanding her um, duties at work. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, the GM from New York was covering our shop. Okay. And he was an asshole. <laughs> he would yell at me one of those. constantly in front of my coworkers. I have Lyme disease. Okay. Um, uh, sometimes I can get fairly sick and have some different reactions and it's too much to even get into. But right. during that time, unfortunately, I was going through some health things and I won't get into too much detail, but I was spending more time than I'd like to in the washroom. Okay. <laughs> um, and he basically told me if I take another washroom bait, he will fire me. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, this is, I, I called him. I'm like, that's illegal. You cannot tell me when I can and cannot go to the washroom. I'm yeah. a fully grown man. I'm an adult. Um, this is violating my workers' rights. He just didn't care. And then I'm like, I didn't really want to ask him, but I'm like, the iron was hot. This was the time that I, as a, I couldn't wait two more weeks. Yeah, mm -hmm. It was the perfect time to launch. So I sat him down and um, he's basically like, no, I can fire you or you can quit or you can stay, but I'm not giving you time off. So I gave my two weeks and uh, then 
30 minutes later, 15 minutes later, start screaming on the floor again. So I walked out, I stole my suits from work. Thanks suit supply for the free suits. <laughs> um, and I started my own thing. And I brought one of the other employees with me. He was just graduating high school. He was from a Venezuelan family that had immigrated here. He's a good kid and he had a good head on his shoulders. He's very entrepreneurial. I kept 100% owner, uh, ownership of the company and I brought him on and um, we just hustled. We were working like 18 hour days. I started, um, I was one of the first people I would say to run a successful micro-influencer campaign. I had more than 50,000 micro-influencers who signed up, who were paying customers. Um, so I kind of helped to pioneer that in the industry. I mm -hmm. think it's really gotten away and I think it's turned into a scam now. Mm. Um, what my whole kind of shtick was, and, and I didn't touch on this earlier, but I'll touch on it now. So I, I had modeled for a few years. It's mm -hmm. something I fell into because of hockey and I worked in Italy and I worked in Greece and I worked with uh, D squared and diesel. This and is Club all Monaco. still between this time. Yeah. So this was when, when I was playing hockey, um, in my last little bit, I was in really good shape and I, and I, I met some people who were influential in the industry. So I had the opportunity, um, to, to go and model and, okay. and I made some really good money doing it. I worked with some really great brands. And what my thought process was, is I'd meet all these people that like their dream was to model. Mine wasn't, I fell into it and I'm very happy that I did it, but it wasn't my dream. Mm -hmm. And I'd meet guys and girls and all they wanted to do was be a model. And, and the thing is, it's like, what makes someone a model? I, right. I, I don't know, right? Like, because I, I remember I'd go in, I'd take agency meetings, I'd be invited out for something, meet all these people and they're judging you. Why is it that you might think that I'm a great model and you might think that I yeah. don't have what it takes to right. make it, right? It, it's, it's just all bullshit. Yeah. It's all bullshit. And especially in today's market, you could be, it used to be, you can't be too big or, mm -hmm. or you can't be too tall or too short. Inclusivity is what's in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what I thought to myself was, who am I to tell a woman? And I, you know, I'm not some crazy far left feminist, but I, I, at the same time, like, who am I to tell a woman whether she's pretty enough or not to be an influencer for my brand? or to model for us. So I made a commitment to feature every single oh, girl that. on our Instagram, Facebook, email, website, any way that I could, I'll feature on at least one, mm -hmm. right? Because, because it, and it worked great because people could see their actual body type yeah. on the internet. And this was four or five years ago now. So don't get me wrong. It's been a thing for a while. Um, but it was just starting to become more and more acceptable at that time. I'm not going to say I started that trend, but I will say it was definitely an early Pioneer, adapter, right? right? Like you think of, you know, like the O-Polys of the world that are still only showing. Oh my God. When I shop at O-Poly, it's the same model. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and no offense to them. They have a great product. They have a great brand, but I, I could imagine if I was a girl and I'm a size six, I'm a size eight, whatever. And, and, and I'm looking at this, I'm like, well, that's not me. Mm -hmm. I, why you don't even want me to be your customer. You're, you're ashamed to even, it's like, it's like that toxic boyfriend mm -hmm. that's ashamed to like bring you out on a date or bring you in public. True. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so I'm like, I'm not going to be that guy. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be the one that's going to show you off, make you feel pretty and tell you that you're beautiful. Right. So yeah. um, that was huge for us. And we, we grew the hell out of that business. Mm -hmm. I mean, within a year, I mean, like I'm talking like real, real money, seven figure revenue. Wow. Nice. wow. Like, so it, it, it got, it got really big, really quick. Um, and there, there was so much that was going on in that space. And I really appreciated every moment of it, but it's tough. I think we went, we had about 50-ish staff at, at, at any given time. It was difficult managing all that staff, 
fashion that, that attracts a certain crowd, a certain type of worker. Um, I found it difficult to have people that were particularly motivated. Mm. Um, and, you know, the fun part's the design. That's the part that I love. Right. Mm. The difficult part is being customer facing. Uh, right. I, I don't want to go through hundreds of customer emails and deal with logistics and the orders. It, it wasn't my forte. And uh, Andreas, the gentleman who I brought in to work with me, that was his forte. Fortunately, at that time, again, also unfortunately, he came to me and said, I'm going to leave. Mm -hmm. I, 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 would like, I would like to exit the company. And don't know whatever happened to him. We stopped talking oh, no. after. Um, he, this was when That's like- That's kind of sad. Yeah, this was when like the whole like day trading thing was really taking off. And he had just gotten a Range Rover. Like he went, he went from, you know, not doing very well financially to making a, a real paycheck yeah. fresh out of high school. Yeah, and I think he got a little overconfident once again. Not 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 bad mouthing him at all. I, I kind of saw myself as an older brother to him, and I mm -hmm. said, "Listen, brother, like if you don't want to be here anymore, that's okay. But let's find a better plan for you." Mm -hmm. And he went. And he you know he he made this decision for all. I know he could be a billionaire right now and laughing at me, guess, being yeah. like, "This was the best thing." I I, I don't yeah. I can't speak to right. whatever happened to him, but um, I hope that he's doing well. But during that time, I lost my operations manager. And then I lost my general manager, who was a friend of mine from high school. Um, for two weeks, she didn't do any of her work. I do kind of every three weeks, I do a meeting. She had a few hundred customer service emails that had oh. been sitting in her. Oh so there's people, you know, like you've ordered something, but like, why won't these people get back to me? What is this, a scam? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hundreds of people were waiting for her reply. Oh, it's annoying. And I lost the two most important people in the business. Your um, right hands, yeah. And at that time, close to that time, my parents had come back to me and said, listen, like, we're, we're impressed. You've, you've really made something of yourself. And, and, you know, I was in the family business at different times and, and helping out and, you know, writing reports for them and presentations, um, helping with construction, sitting in on meetings, whatever needed to get done. And it just didn't seem like there was any space for me to grow within the company. Mm -hmm. And it's tough. You know, I, I, you know, my father had a family business and, and, you know, with his brothers and um, there's ups to it working with family, but there's, there's downs as well. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't know if I wanted to potentially have that friction with, with my family because yeah. we're so close. Right. We, you know, we hang out all the time. We're, we're very close. When, you know, when I was gone playing hockey overseas, my parents would fly out to see my games. We'd FaceTime multiple times a day. We, you didn't it, want to cause that any friction, yeah. Exactly, We're, I didn't want any strain. So, um, yeah, I, I thought about it for a while. And I said, I'm like, I don't know, I'm making pretty good money doing this. Let me see if I can do both. Like, let me try to come back into the company. And I couldn't manage doing both. And we came up uh, with a plan for, for me to take on ownership. And I said, okay, fine. Um, of your parents' company. Yes. Okay. So I decided to back away and uh, from from the women's fashion company I had at the time, um, and I'd sold all the, the the you know the the name, the rights, the the website off. Um, they went under. They went to a drop shipping scheme, mm. and um, you know they thought that they could run the business better better than I could, and and they couldn't. <laughs> um, right, it was. You started that, you know, so I feel like. Yeah. Uh, so that, you know, that that went the way and I came back in the family business. And at that time, they're doing maybe one build every four years. And, you know, over this next year, it looks like we have about six builds to be doing. Nice. So, I mean, you're, I mean, just an absolute hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times more right. uh, work now. So it went from something that they kind of did. My parents were 
kind of semi-retired, you mm -hmm. know, the, making enough through doing this amount of work to be happy, but not working themselves to the bone. And and then with me coming back in, they're like, oh, like we, we can actually be pretty big developers. I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, just, just, <laughs> it's so, like, just wait. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we, we all have our own strengths that we bring, you know, to the business. My mom still does all of the books by hand. Oh, she does wow. music by hand. That's like crazy, but but she she knows the way to do it, and she that, she, that she's way, like, yeah. I perfected my system, and I'm sticking with Traditional. it. Traditional, yeah. don't break it. Yeah. So you know, and and for my dad, he's got such a wealth of knowledge and building. I mean, this guy can solve any problem. Um, and then you know, for my sister, she's in uh, the business as well. Um, when it comes to it, I mean, she can just do kind of anything. Like mm -hmm. she's she's very good at hey do this and she just fucking executes. Mm -hmm. There's very few people, and I think it's an uh, uh, an underestimated skill to just go do the work. Yeah. To pull it off. So, you know, um, as we're expanding into res uh, resorts and, and things of that nature, her job is gonna be, you know, more on the managerial side of that, dealing with bookings, uh, the maid staff. She's just fantastic. Like if, if you show her how to do something, uh, she just executes, 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 mm -hmm. executes. Yeah. Uh, and if, I mean, like, thank God, mm -hmm. right? You need that on the team. And then for myself, like I'm definitely more on the design side of things and the big picture sort of, you know, side of things. Um, you know, when it comes, I do the website, uh, I, you know, deal with the architects, I deal with the engineers, I do the interior design, I do the exterior design, I pick all the finishes. Um, you know, I'm always finding new deals. I'm building relationships with all the realtors uh, and then doing media. So, yeah. here, <laughs> so we, here we are. Yeah. So you know, we we all have uh, our 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 own strengths, and we can all overlap with each other a bit. I want the skills that my dad has because he's not going to be around forever. Mm, right. Uh, so I try to learn that. You know, and the same way. You know, like I know uh, for my mom, she's like, hey, you know, trying to show my sister. Well, this is how I do the books. You know, uh, and then same thing. I should learn how to do the books if I <laughs> if I have a little bit of it. So you you should understand what everyone else is doing. Right. But when you have that thing that you can really go out and it's yours. Stick to it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I feel like it's good. Delegate to like everything else. Leverage everyone's unique capabilities, but yeah. at the same time, be able to kind of learn a bit so that you can apply them to your own like best practices. You know what I 100%. mean? Like moving forward. Um, does, does your guys' company have a name? Yes, Nearland Day. Nearland Day. Okay. Nearland Day. And everyone's like, what the fuck is that? That's how you know French is falling off in this country. So Nearland Day is French for Dutch because I am Dutch and I am French. Oh. I'm also Italian, German, British, and French. Okay. Yes, but but I am primarily those two things. Right. Our family's primarily those two things. So we're like, well, what should we call it? And it just, you know, I'm like looking around. I'm like, what do I call this company? Uh, and it just seemed like just the- interesting. It sounds nice. It sounds it high end. Sound. It's French. It's bougie. It does bougie. sound nice. I was going to yeah. say, it sounds very bougie. Like, no, Nobody yeah. can spell it, but you know. But that's fine. It's, it's fine. It's good. It's fine. Um, I feel like just your whole story, there's so much, like we can be here forever with like dissecting every aspect. That it, you, yeah, like, you know, it's a long story. Finish. But I think like the main thing that I got out of that is the type of work ethic that you have. Mm -hmm. And so if you had a piece of advice for anybody who wants to start anything, mm -hmm. whether that's, cause I think like a lot of people who listen to, listen to this and even us, like there's always something that you want to be your own. Like you said, when yeah. you started your company, you're like, this is mine. Like it's not my parents, it's mine. And I think, you know, working 18 hour days, like you said, it comes with a type of work ethic, but not everyone has that right off the bat. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of wanting to know like what your main piece of advice is for someone who wants to just start something, whether it's a freaking, yeah. I don't know, anything, you know? Yeah. I heard 
an interesting statistic, and I believe it's correct, but I, but you know, citation needed. Right. <laughs> uh, we'll fact that, check later. <laughs> yeah, that uh, the average person. So if you're, let's say that you have a regular job, if you do ten percent more work than the people around you, that the that the benefit factor, like in terms of your annual salary, some like like forty grand more. Mm-hmm. And so it, I think that a lot of people think it's like. I have to work so immensely hard. Cause you know, this like hustle culture has really mm. taken over and I think yeah. it's really toxic. Uh, you're gonna burn <laughs> we, out. We literally talked about this last week. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna burn out. You can't do it forever. And don't, there is a time to just do the work. Just do the fucking work. Just mm-hmm. don't make an excuse. Cause some people will make the excuse. Oh, like I'm like resting and self care. It's like, yeah, that's very important. I truly believe <laughs> yeah. in it. But some people think you have to like fucking kill yourself to be successful. You don't. Just work a little bit harder than the person beside you. Mm-hmm. Work a little bit harder than you did the day before. If you can go to bed at the end of the night and be happy with your effort, perfect. And if you fail, you didn't fail. There's no such thing as failure. Mm-hmm. There's a lesson learned, right? Failure is a mindset. Right. So it's like, if, if you go, even if you lost 10 grand on, on a bad business decision, or like maybe you're a barber and you're starting your own shop and you fuck someone's hair up so bad. Okay, you learned a lesson. Mm -hmm. That's one client you won't get again. Maybe you'll get a bad review. You can erase that because in 10 years, no one's gonna remember that one shitty haircut that you gave. Right. If you think that you failed, you've beat yourself. I like that. Yeah, it's so hard. I feel like there's so much advice to give to entrepreneurs because I get messages all the time. Like, you know, I get phone calls. Um, I I, I did, you know, we're bringing on interns for some certain things. And when you're talking, they're like, how do I do this? Like you're, you're 27 and how, yeah, see, how like do I figure this out? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm always on the phone telling people I'm like, do this, do that. Don't think about this. Don't think about that. I think the other thing is people put so much value on what other people think about them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm guilty of that sometimes, not going to lie, but it, it's really just, it sets you up for just being disappointed in yourself, 100%. you know, like, and, and like, I also think that you kind of touch on this that entrepreneurialism is a mindset. And like, 100%. I say this because there's people like you who've always like had their own businesses and mm-hmm. just have been very like forward thinking in those things. But then there's also people like I work a nine to five, but mm-hmm. I also have all these other things going on. So I have the podcast, I do real estate and things like that. Mm-hmm. But from someone on the outside looking in, they wouldn't be like, oh, she's entrepreneurial. So, so are you, you have your marketing during the day. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But I think that, entrepreneurialism comes with that work ethic mindset and that give 1% more each day than you did before. And I feel like there's no way that you can fail if you think that way, you know? And like, I don't know. I just kind of want to get rid, like, am I going to work for someone all my life? Like you said, absolutely not. Like that's Mm -hmm. not what I want, but I think you can learn valuable skills through doing that. Yeah. So I kind of want to know your thoughts on that because you did work for someone at one point. Uh, This may not be a direct answer to your question, but but, but this is is something I think is really interesting. I think entrepreneurship is super overrated for most people. If in your heart, you want to be an entrepreneur, fucking do it. But what does that mean? What does it, being an entrepreneur, like, it, I feel like that's a thing, like this hustle culture and like social media, it's like, I'm an entrepreneur. And it's like, what does that really mean? Hmm. That's you a very know? good question. There's no answer. It's just kind of- Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, no, but, 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 but it, you know, being- Food for thought. <laughs> yeah, it, no, but it, you know what? It, 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 it is a very good question. Give me, give me a few seconds. Let me, like, cause I want to stew on it because I, cause I, there, there's, there's a good answer to give and I want to give a, a good answer, no. not just a, a lackluster one. We'll, we'll pull the sound effects during this time. <laughs> you can play the stand by. 
Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to have to, I, I, I think I'm going to agree with you. It, it's definitely a mindset. Um, I think that there are certain people that, you know, like I think a classic example, I, I, talk, I talk to real estate agents all the time. Some of them consider themselves uh, entrepreneurs, even though they work for someone else, but it is a very entrepreneurial business to be a realtor. Mm, right. Because right? you only get how much you put yeah, in. Yeah. Because you are your own brand, but you're also someone else's brand and you're working for clients, but you're also, it is your schedule. No one's really taking it a task. It depends mm -hmm. on the brokerage that you're in. Technically, I guess on paper, you'd look at someone who's a realtor and be like, you're not really an entrepreneur, but you can be. Yeah. Right. And then there's other people who are kind of technically an entrepreneur where, um, yeah, I have a family member um, who, I don't want to get it wrong, but I have like over a hundred people in my family, okay. by the way. I'm like the 60s of grandchild. Like European, it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, you know, my dad's one of nine. Oh, uh, oh wow. Yeah. So, but one of my family members, they do like goat soap. Okay. Oh. That's actually. Right? That's very, a business yeah. and they make good money, right? Doing it. But I don't think if you ask them, I don't think they'd say I'm an entrepreneur. I think that there's someone who has a farm, had a great idea for a product. They love doing it. It's social. It's fun. But I, I, I don't know if I asked that family member, do you consider yourself an entrepreneur? I don't know if they would say yes. And that's mm. not me discrediting them. I just think that they kind of say, this is a fun business for me. It's a hobby business for me. Uh, so I, it, it's one of those things I think has a very loose description. It's right. a very loose job title. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. Yeah. It's just like, it's not even like a really like question that needs an answer. It's just yeah. been so, I don't know, like romanticized almost, or even just like, so much, too much. On on social media, it's like, holy fuck. It's like day in the life of an entrepreneur. And it's like, what do you even, I don't know even know what that means, but it seems like someone like you, it comes yeah. with the mindset. Like I've yeah. said, like it's the work ethic mindset. It's that hustle mindset, but not working yourself yeah. to the bone where you get burnt out because you need to be kind of smart enough or like be able to realize where to draw the line, you know? I grew up around it too. Mm -hmm. So, there you, you know, you, 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 you kind of, get it by proxy. Yeah. yeah. Even if you're not directly paying attention, it's always in the background. I remember like my dad being on uh, business goals. We have a, we had an office in my family home mm -hmm. with like the French doors and a couch. And I just like lay on the couch when my dad was on business calls just to hang out with him. Mm -hmm. um, and like, you, you just kind of, kind of what you've been used to. Yeah. It seeps in uh, to you. But one of the things I think is interesting is a lot of people will be like, I've dreamed of being an entrepreneur since I was a kid. And one of the things I think is really interesting, because I, I had this conversation recently, I'm like, a lot of kids wanted to be astronauts. Mm, yeah. Right? But then when you grow up, maybe you realize like, oh, like the amount of G's that I'm going to be under is going to be insane. And the physical requirements and then the, the, the mental requirements. Like they're looking for like the top person from Harvard mm -hmm. who also happened to be a fighter pilot who then said, you know what? I want to be a surgeon. Like, the criteria for it's so insane that the idea of it's like really romantic. Yeah. It's like, and, and the other thing is too, is be, from when we were kids in the nineties and stuff, it was really hard to get good information because mm -hmm. the, the internet was kind of around, but not everyone had computers in their right. house. Like I had a computer in my house, but I'd say maybe half the kids, more than half the kids uh, didn't have computers in the house when I was young. I'm also from like rural Ontario. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, but it wasn't, super common. So if you want to learn to be an astronaut, like when I was a kid, I wouldn't even know who to call. I wouldn't know where to start. I wouldn't know what to do for college or is there a camp I can go to? How can I start prepping? Right. But nowadays, if you're kidding, you legitimately want to be an astronaut, you can really plan that out. Yeah. You can really figure it out. Your access to that information 
is so Fast. readily available. Yeah. But I think one of the things that people also realize as they get older, they're like, eh, maybe once I actually learn the reality of what it is, because the idea of it is, I'm going to be famous. I'm going to be. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be up in the stars. I'm going to see this beautiful view. But once you actually find out, oh, they're doing experiments up there, and it's it's much more scientific, and I'm not going to call it boring. It's an exciting field, but there's a lot of stuff that's yeah. very yeah. mundane. It's not just putting on the spacesuit. Exactly. Just, like, keep flying and up in the rocket. You know, it's it's interesting because in, like I know people who are in business and marketing, and they work for a Fortune 500 company. And they can't, they can't even imagine being an entrepreneur. Maybe 95% of them don't want to be an entrepreneur. And I think it's different by industry because in fashion, everyone wants, like when I worked in fashion, every single one of my employees wanted to have their own line. Yeah. Right. Which I think is really interesting. And then when I talk to my trades um, on my job sites, someone who works underneath someone else is like, oh man, one day I'm going to be the top dog. Mm. I'm going to be whatever it is. I'm going to be the, the, I'm going to own the framing company. I'm right. going to be the electrician. I'm going to be the guy who owns the tile company. Right. And so I think it's different by, by industry, which yeah. is really interesting. And then you see people go and actually do it. Then they realize like, oh shit, before I had a, I had a stable paycheck and I didn't have to like go out and source all these jobs. Security and over. Yeah. yeah. So I think that like my big thing that I try to push on people now is what do you legitimately want out of life? And just go do it and don't apologize to a single fucking person about it. Like my big thing is if you can sincerely go to bed at the end of the night and feel good about yourself in any way about anything that you're doing in life, whether it's your entrepreneurship or your relationship or your communication abilities, or you got in a fight with a family member and you resolved in what you want, whatever it is, if you can sleep good at night, you're doing something right. So if you don't have that feeling right now, reevaluate whatever the fuck you're doing, mm. figure it out, look for the resources online. But that I think is the biggest marker of success in life or future success in life. Do you go to bed happy with who you are, what you stand for and what you're about? If right. the answer is yes, keep on fucking trucking because success is right around the corner. Damn. That was, that was so inspirational. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really was. Oh, and shit. I want to touch upon what you said about, like, yeah. for me personally, so I'm in marketing. Like you said, I even told Sam, like when we started this thing, I'm like, honestly, I would it, I don't mind climbing the corporate ladder. Like I can see myself being in corporate, but being, you know, top boss in corporate. I don't necessarily need to have my own thing, but like, I like that kind of system and that environment. So again, it's not for everybody. It's not yeah. like not everybody you know, I just wanted to touch, because I said it's about work ethic, that entrepreneurialism is about mm -hmm. work ethic. And it's not to say that people who aren't entrepreneurs don't have good work ethic. No, like no, someone who, that's not what I meant. Just like- No, I was just touching on his <laughs> point where like, yeah. it might vary by industry or it just varies by person. Like- 100%. Even like you said, when I was younger, I wanted to be a vet. Like I love animals. I'm like, vet, I'm going to save lives. I got older. Oh my God, I got to put dogs down. I got to like, you know, yeah. kind of- you know, it, I don't know. It, it, so it's true. Like we have a lot more information now than we did when we were younger. A hundred percent. I, in case anyone cares, I went to school for urban planning. Okay. So I want to be an urban planner because- The enemy of developers <laughs> is right. the urban planner. Right. In another world, we hate each other. Right. There you go. Maybe in another world. But, but I went to school for urban planning because again, my dad, um, he was in construction all his life. Like he built high rise and just like, he was just- I always looked at him as like someone who contributed to making Toronto what it is today. So mm -hmm. I was like, I want to be an awesome. urban planner. And like, I fantasize that, oh, I'm just going to be like this badass woman walking on these job sites and I'm going to be this urban planner. I'm going to make it. And there's money in this and blah, blah, blah. And after I graduated, I went to U of T. I was like miserable. And I was like, like you said, going to bed at night, like, is this really what I want to do? Like, I don't know if, if I can do this. And I yeah. was 
interviewing with developers all the time. And I just, I was like, I can't, like, I feel like I'm more of a creative and I made the switch and went into marketing. We started a podcast, which if you asked me when I was at U of T trying to be an urban planner, if I was going to start a podcast, I'd laugh in your face. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that advice, like it really stands because it, it, all that matters is what you truly feel inside. And yes, like money is cool. And like, Fame could be cool, but at the end of the day, if you're not happy, then what, what are you really doing? You know what I mean? I agree. Yeah. So some of the so. happiest people I've ever met in my entire life, they don't have necessarily nothing, but they're just, they live in a, a house that was built in 1980 yeah. and they have a newish car, but they have really great family. They have really great friends. They can have beers and ride their ATV. There's nothing wrong with wanting those things out of life. I think that we over sensationalize you want the Rolls Royce, you want the, yeah. the you know, in, in the male entrepreneur space, you want the bad bitch, mm, you oh know, God. with her ass out at, and you want to eat in Yorkville every night, you yeah. know? Yeah. And it's like, it's like, there's nothing wrong with wanting those things either. But right. same thing, it just, it don't, don't listen to- Don't let those uh, things drive you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You don't need to listen to, you know, Andrew Tate to oh, tell you what you need God, in don't. life. Oh, you don't need to certain. listen to your mom. You don't need to listen to your dad. You don't need to listen to- this influencer, that influencer, you don't need to look at Instagram and see the most muscular guy and think that that's what happiness is. Most of the time, a lot of people that you see around you are miserable and it's a front and it's a show. So that's what I'm saying. Like too many people look outward for the, like, cause Kanye West is like, you know, um, what is it? Uh, uh, you went to Instagram to crowdsource his self-esteem. And I'm like, that's what people do. They crowdsource their self-esteem. It's like, don't look outward, look inward. Right. No, I a hundred percent agree. Um, I, there was a bunch of other points we wanted to get at, but we're, we're coming on time, but I do, one thing yes. I do want to do is go through that TikTok because I think that it's, it was just funny. And you said that you had a story. Yeah. So before you start, let's talk about what this like TikTok was about. Maybe we can like in post, I can, we can maybe like play it or something, but what was this TikTok? What were you guys talking about? So one of the things that we didn't touch on today was I, I had also worked at Cabana Pool Bar. Uh, so when I was modeling, so it was. I was 19 years old. Um, so I was modeling, I was playing hockey, but like you're training, you know, but you're not playing like games right. during the summertime, right? So it was like, hey, this is a really great job. And we posted the clip from like an hour and a half long right. YouTube <laughs> Conversation, video. yeah. Um, and it's like a 30 second long clip. So, you know, the one piece of context that was missing was I was, you know, this was like one of my first jobs. It was like very early on. So people thought I was like bragging about it. A lot of people like, uh, like with 180,000 views or whatever, a lot of the comments were people agreeing with me or think mm. it's interesting. There's a lot of likes. So when I look at it, the majority of the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. But one of the things, and I'm learning to deal with this is how do you deal with people who disagree with you? People who maybe um, they don't have the context. Um, maybe they think that you're a bad person. So uh, and some of the clips that were posted from that, because I think in accumulation, there's like about a, just over a quarter million views between like for that duration of like all those different clips right, right, right. in totality. So on some of the videos, I'm like, okay, I, I won't comment back because I don't want to like feed the trolls. But then I'm like, you know what? I'm me. <laughs> I'm not going to clap back at nothing, but I, I, I'm someone who can laugh at myself yeah. mm-hmm. and I'm someone, I don't think that my shit doesn't stink. I don't think I'm better than anyone. I don't think that like any of those things. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? I'll have a laugh at my own expense. Let me talk to some people in the comments. And it's funny, like a lot of people that I was talking to either didn't reply or they did. There was a really nice reply. They liked my message. 
I think that online, everyone is dehumanized. Mm. We don't, we, we just see a screen. We don't see a person. Like, right. you know, if someone has ever said anything bad about your podcast, I doubt they'd sit in this chair, come sit here and say, well, I think this about you and I think this about you. Right. Yeah. No chance they would because people are actually pretty nice and pretty yeah. kind and pretty calm. But when you have a story and it's 30 seconds and, and they, they, they don't see it as conversation with a friend, they see it as, you know, a personality online, yeah. they feel entitled to a big opinion. Right. Um, so I, I'm i still learning to deal with it, but I think that I found kind of my way where, you know, nothing that was said had bothered me. Um, it was actually kind of fun and a fun exploration into like hearing what people have to say, you know, taking feedback. Um, so I, I actually found a lot of joy coming from it where I think uh, maybe a younger version of myself would have been like, fuck that person. They don't fucking know me. Yeah, Eat shit sure. loser, you know, yeah. and, 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 and go full rage. But uh, um, yeah. And I think it's important because <clears throat> even with the podcast, sometimes we're always, like you said, caring what people think is like a big thing. And it's like, we post these clips and there's there's a lot of times where we're like, hey, but if we post like this one part and they don't hear this other part, they're going to think that we're like, I don't know, saying something bad about or this. Even, even just sort of the shares, the shares button in, like yeah. you just scare the fuck out of me. Like, like 30 shares. 12 shares or whatever. How much, I'm like, why are people sharing this? Like, are they talking shit? Do they like it? Do they agree? Now we're just like, we're going to say our opinion, whether you like it or not, whether you disagree, fine. Come and like disagree with yeah. us. We'll, we'll right. have a conversation about it. That's what a podcast is. That's what everyone has their own opinions for. Right. So, so kudos to you for, yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen a lot of YouTubers where they're like at the end of like a 20 long, I like, like uh, I'm really into like game of Thrones. I'm, I'm mm. really big into like nerd culture. I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. Mm. So they'll do like a 30 minute breakdown at the end. They'll be like, thanks for watching. And if you didn't like the video, thanks for watching this long, right? Yeah, so if anything, I, I just appreciate that someone, if it's 30 seconds a minute, I just appreciate that someone gave me that 30 seconds of their time, the or that minute of their, their time. Um, and yeah, exactly. If we disagree, it is what it is. You can't please everyone. And if you try to please everyone, it, it, then you're it, not pleasing yourself. Yeah, you're trying to so it's, it's, let, let misunderstandings happen. Let miscommunications happen. If someone hates it, whatever. Like I said, let I feel be. good about myself. <laughs> right. Love that. There you go. Well, um, on that note, thank you so much for coming and talking with us. I do want to say, oh. maybe we can have you on again because yeah. there were there were some things that we didn't get to yeah. touch on. Like we really wanted to talk about women in sports, and I know a lot of I people have. I was looking forward a, to that. I know. Yeah, I, that's I know. a huge one for I like, but I think that that could be an episode in itself. True. Talking to a pro athlete, well, pro technically still pro athlete, about women in sports and like the whole thing surrounding that. Because we've had multiple opinions, but we never had an athlete. Yeah, a male athlete. I'm. A, I play soccer, so yeah. I'm like, I'm a woman in sport, I guess. And like, you're a pro athlete, and obviously, you are surrounded by athletics. You're surrounded by that culture. So, our main the question, politics behind our it. main yeah. question was, why do you, as an, a male athlete, think that women don't get paid as much, or don't get as much view time, yeah. or as much respect as men? You know what? Let's just quickly go into it. Yeah, let's give it six minutes. Go. Okay. Yeah. So I, I have some very hot takes on this. Let's do it. Um, I'm very supportive of female athletes. Um, I honestly think if if you gave me control of of the women's hockey program, the pro hockey program, it would be a success because mm -hmm. I I feel like so much of it is just mismanagement. Right. So I'll give you a really good example that I had learned um, from my time discovering Australian football. Okay. It's very successful. It's growing in an immense way over there. What are they doing? So let's look at blueprints of, of leagues and institutions that we know do well. I'm going to leave volleyball out of it. 
but tennis, I have a lot of friends that play tennis. Uh, one of my very good friends, Rhea Verma, um, she is playing for Louisville. She's a fantastic athlete. I know a lot of female tennis players. They make good money. They get great amount of people watching them. Mm. And they're not scantily clad. They're not, mm. they're not wearing makeup. Mm. They're athletes. They're jacked. This it's so, you know, it takes any sexual element out of it. And I'm not huge into golf, but from what I've heard from people in the golf scene, there's this renaissance right now of women's golf. I can't get too much into it because I don't have all the details, but what I do know is hockey and what I do know is tennis and what I do know is what they're doing in Australia with football. So when I played junior hockey, we had to do a lot for our community. We had to go out and skate with kids. And every junior team's different. Some junior teams don't do this at all, but other junior teams are very big about this. I had to do assemblies about not doing drugs in school. Oh, we give out free wow. tickets. I would go to the hospitals uh, for like the sick and the elderly in nursing homes. I give out teddy bears on Valentine's Day. Like mm -hmm. we were involved in our communities. What the women's Aussie football uh, league is doing is, and they do it in the men's league too. They go like, constantly every day to local practices. Just um, like, mm -hmm. so imagine if the Raptors just showed up every day to a different high school basketball team an inner city basketball mm -hmm. team. They do so much community outreach. So what they did is they had a value proposition. So if you wanted to go watch the Toronto Maple Leafs play, it's a fucking shit ton. You want to bring a family of four to watch a game. Yeah. You're spending easily a grand plus parking plus food. It's yeah. ridiculous. And that's for the worst seats in the house. Mm -hmm. So imagine if there was a women's hockey team that you could go and the experience of, of uh, the Scotiabank Pond, it, I mean, it's, it's an experience. You're in an elite level, high-end facility. Mm -hmm. So if you could get a ticket to go there to watch still really good hockey, but at a really great value proposition and bring people in the door. Okay, so if it costs 20 bucks a ticket, so instead of paying over a grand, you could get 80 bucks and then okay, well, look at all this money I saved. Now I'm going to buy my kid a puck. I'm going to, you know, buy a bunch of food. You mm -hmm. have a beer garden. You're going to have a, a better experience overall. And because maybe it's not as big yet, you can have potentially one-on-one -on -one time with those, with those athletes. You can have a meet and greet after and signings. There's so much more that's available. And that's what they're doing in the uh, WAFL. They are going out into their communities. They're going to practices. They're going to schools. They've uh, marketed themselves as a value option while they're still growing. And now they're getting like 20,000 people to a game. Mm -hmm. That's like, you're yeah. getting as many people to a, a, a women's league game as what you can fit in an NHL rank, right? And, the, and people are saying, well, like we can't, people don't want to watch women play sports. They, 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 they don't care. There's all this sexism. I'm like, if you are building a league from scratch, it's a much newer thing. You know, having having real high quality women playing real high quality sports. You got to put in the legwork. Fun fact: Did you know once upon a time in the world of men's sports, softball was more watched than baseball? Hmm. Do you think that the baseball just sat around and said, "We need to be paid more. We need to be paid equally to the to the softball teams." The softball teams had the money. They did the legwork. They were established. They had sponsors and, and they had all sorts of deals. Like they had to find ways to build their fan base. And once you've built a fan base, they actually kind of ties into developing. If you've developed one house, you probably can't charge a premium. But if you're known as a high-end builder and you've built 20, 30 luxury homes, people will say, oh, 
I don't want just any house. I want a Jesse Michelle house, <laughs> right? Because I, I, I know him. I know his style. I know what he does, right? So you have to build that out. And I don't think that uh, teams are doing a great job. Like the Toronto Six women's hockey team plays at York University's arena. That arena is a real junker. Mm. It's barely even suitable for junior A hockey, let alone major junior boys hockey. So you have a subpar facility with bad marketing. I've net, like I grew up around here. I played hockey around here. I've never seen a pro women's team come skate with a boys team or a girls team or show up to games or do community promotion. And if they are doing it, why don't I know about it? Mm. The other thing, they're not building stories. We knew about Sidney Crosby when he was like 10 years old. Yeah. That's true. We knew about him in high school. We knew about him in major junior. We watched him, you know, in the world juniors because you make heroes. Why, why do people want to watch Pittsburgh play when they come to Toronto and pay more money for a ticket? Is it because Pittsburgh really is really good or just because Sydney. they want to see Sidney Crosby yeah. play? Yeah. Yeah. Why do people want to, LeBron James, Cleveland, Miami, LA, people will pay twice as much to see LeBron play than some other random play. You're right. Why? Because they want the story. That, what I can name Cassie Campbell, who played hockey. She doesn't even play anymore. Wickenheiser, Poulin, Nurse. I can name like three or four. And even then, I don't know their story that well. Right? Like, why aren't they on Instagram and TikTok showing us the best moves, the craziest hits, the fights? I think that there's so much that's not the female athlete's fault. It's whoever the hell is doing their marketing and their advising and the mm -hmm. agency of the whole thing. Yeah. Women's sports can be just as, ex as exciting. And I'm not, I don't mean as an insult to call it a value proposition at first, but if you're a new professional team in, in men's sports, if there's a new sport that's coming here, if the AFL, Aussie Rules Football, started a league in Canada, they would have to kind of position themselves as value too. How are we going to get fans to discover us, to watch us, and care about us? True. Usually the best way at first is put a financial incentive to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And then for the financial st st uh, stability of the league, give you an example, junior hockey, when I was playing out West, you could do a 50, 50 and you could keep half the money from the 50, 50 draw in Ontario. You could do a 50, 50, but it's for charity. You can't give it to yourself. You can give it to like sick kids. Mm -hmm. Some of the ones when I was playing out West would be like tens of thousands of dollars per game. Wow. That's a huge difference, mm -hmm. especially when you're a fledgling team. Every dollar counts. So it also comes down to the government putting better programs in place to allow teams to become uh, more financially stable. Like, I, I think, you know, I've watched a couple WNBA games uh, recently on TV. I was at Boston Pizza recently. I looked up. I'm like, okay, like. These people can shoot a three ball. Like mm -hmm. the few of them can like really. It's not, it's not the like technique and like the skill that's in question yeah. that, that you're saying. It's exactly. I, and and the other thing is too, is, you know, I see from some female athletes like, oh, it's sexism. Like it more than half the earth is women. Right. So it's like, and, and you see like, for example, Buffalo Bills, Bills Mafia, crazy fans. Like you go to a game, wouldn't you say it's like about half the stadium is women. Mm. Right. So I, I also think, um, Women should support women, right? That's I think what? that women gang up on women. There should be yeah. more of that. Men should support women too. But if you want to find somewhere, a jumping off point, I'm not blaming women for not. No, But yeah. it's like, 
so help each other. That's <laughs> my boyfriend had the at first I was arguing about this. I'm like, yeah. you can't say like women have to help women. Why can't men also help women? But he's like, but you not you woman, but just women in general rather watch and like pay to watch Kim Kardashian keeping up with the Kardashians and like women sure. shitting on each other on desperate housewives than actually investing in women's sports. So it starts with women essentially. And that's what we were talking about last podcast too. And it honestly it makes sense, especially how you put it. Women have to support women. Obviously, men have to support women, but start it has to start, you know, somewhere from that. Yes. From that base. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, you know, and I know I give a I like what you said, we could do a whole episode on it's this. I kind of had to rush through all no, of my very ideas. It's so. like very in-depth. You can really get into the layers. I have even this. more to say, but yeah, like I I would love to save that for a different 100%. episode where we can go actually in depth because there's and there's a lot of TikToks I've seen too, where it's like, why don't you watch women's sports? Oh, it's boring. They're not as entertaining. And then the guy's like, well, would you watch them if like their shorts were shorter or they had crop a thousand percent? But like, why? But why is that? And the guy was like, it's more entertaining. But like, what makes... It just but but so then, many- then there's a the flip side. Like if you actually, I know men who actually appreciate sports. Yeah. And like, if you actually appreciate the sport, there's men and women out there who would watch it. But it does also come with it's systematic. It comes with the management. It comes with mm-hmm. like the funding to these things. So there's like so many like different layers. I yeah. think. And one of the things I think is really interesting too is if you think about the WWE, the WWE divas, the whole oh, female yeah. division. Oh yeah. It's like okay, like they're kind of dressed in a semi-provocative way, but the guys are wearing speedos and mm. thongs and jock straps. I mean, so like the whole thing is, but I'm like, people watch WWE even though it's scripted reality because the way that I look at it. I was having a conversation with someone recently. I'm like, it's basically bodybuilders doing choreographed dance where they beat each other up and they're also stuntmen. Mm-hmm. Like I can understand the value in that, but people love watching the men. They love watching the women. I don't think it's because the women are scantily clad. That's no more provocative than how the men are dressed. The whole thing sure. has some vaguely homoerotic undertones, which is fantastic. Hey, go for it. I love it. <laughs> but right. but it, but I I I just think it's you're seeing elite athletes doing crazy shit every single night, pushing the limits of what their sport is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I think that that's a group of female um, entertainers and athletes that don't get nearly enough recognition uh, in in popular culture because it's kind of seen as this is a thing. Maybe like in NASCAR, it's rednecky or it's a thing for kids or mm-hmm. it's a thing for boys. But I'm like these girls, man, like. Their, their physique, like uh, I, I saw this one girl on Instagram, she just signed with WWE and she's like Canada's karate champion. I'm like, wow. the girls that they bring yeah. in aren't just these ditzy little things. Like these are fucking killer athletes that have figured out, hey, I mean, I, I'm not that I know anything about karate, but how, how are you going to make a living off karate? Right. But you can make a living at being this great athlete, doing these aerial maneuvers, these crazy tricks, these crazy stunts. And it's like, good for you. Mm-hmm. Go get that money. Get that bread. Right. And I'm glad that that opportunity exists for them. Right. Um, and, you know, and I think, you know, even if you touch on combat sports with like Ronda Rousey. Yeah. What sold her? Her story. It's true. I know that name. You know that name. You know what I mean? I don't, but. You don't? She she oh, okay. basically came into UFC as a girl and murdered everyone in like eight seconds for like 10 fights in a row. Wow. Citation needed. That's not the actual numbers, but <laughs> yeah. she, she just, check. she dominated, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the thing is they sold the story of this superior dominant female. And then what happened is the whole sport got better because yeah. all of these girls in these gyms all over the world were like, oh wait, I can do this too. And she broke through this glass ceiling. And that's the other thing, like I was saying, the story is so important. Tell me about the girl who grew up dirt poor from nothing, 
who had everything stacked against her, who made it to this level. Tell me about the girl who in school, they said she's an idiot, but she had, uh, you know, some sort of learning disability, whatever. Mm. And and d- despite all the odds and everyone thinks she's going to fail, she's got like the craziest softball pitch on earth that we've ever seen. Like, I want to see people right. just do insane shit, break the expectations of we think a human can do in an interesting and compelling way, right? Like we, we, we see it in men's hockey all the time. We see it in men's basketball all the time. We see it all the time in men's sports. They follow them from high school to NCAA, March Madness for basketball. We get to see these guys, they're champions and they're expected to be champions when they get, but I have, before he's even made it to the league, I have 10 years worth of stuff I can look back on his career, know him, know his story, know his struggle, see him go from this skinny teenage boy to this big seven foot tall muscular guy who can dunk. And it's like, I'm invested. Mm -hmm. So we need to do a better job of creating these stories, creating these tales, finding these athletes, promoting these athletes. I think that it's starting to happen more and more. Um, But I, I think that we can do a lot better at it. I think it's only going to get better and better. And as one sport in, in women's sports grows, I think that everything will start to rise up because as soon as someone does this over here, right? So like I was saying before with the uh, WAFL, they're doing some smart stuff. They're getting attendance. It won't be long before different women's sports says, Hey, maybe we should be sending our athletes to, to, mm-hmm. to, to every single practice. It'll be a domino maybe, effect, yeah. maybe we should focus more on merchandise sales and maybe we should focus more on concession sales and just getting people through the door. Maybe we should focus a little bit more on the stories of these athletes and making people into true superstars in this league. Maybe, you know, what, what, whatever it is, those things are gonna trickle down to everyone else and then they're gonna do it. And then someone else is gonna have a slight modification, a slight modification, a slight modification. Uh, because there, there's games that happen in tennis now, 10 years ago, and it happened so much where the women are being watched more than the men in some mm-hmm. tournaments. Right, because sometimes you're like, you're like, oh shit, like this, the, the number one and number two in the world are going down to women's tennis, and then there was a fluky one in the men's, and it's number seven versus number mm-hmm. one hundred and five. It's like I don't really care about either of those people, but this is the match that I want to be watching. Right. Yeah. So I think now that that glass ceiling has been broken, where it's like there are times when women are being watched more than men, that it's like it's only going to continue. So you know, go equality. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> right. We'll, we'll see it more. No, right. No, it's great. I think I want to say more, but I think we can, I, like you said, we can come back and mm-hmm. like touch on this yeah. again, but 100%. that was very well put. So thank, thank you for that. I, I rushed through it, but, but no, thank no, you. I appreciate it. It was it. a Hopefully. fresh perspective. I was going to yeah. say, there's a lot of opinions on there yeah. and like, it's just, it's nice to have everyone's opinion, especially again, coming from an athlete yeah. yourself. Obviously, you know, the ropes, you know, how kind of the organization works and like sure. networking. So that was a really fresh perspective, thank but you. anything else quickly? No, I think, I think that's pretty much it. We're on time. So, um, Thank you again. Of course. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. That was a great convo. I think I learned a lot just in this like one conversation. So thank you for that. (laughs) That, My pleasure. Um, And yeah, that's it. So thank you guys for watching. We will be posting this on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. So wait for us to tag you there. And that's it. Bye.